0: What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 51 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. And I'm recording this episode earlier than any other episode that I've ever recorded. Not earlier in terms of date, in terms of advance, um, but just in terms of time. Just woke up probably like... Well, not just. Probably like 45 minutes ago. It's... um. 6:45 a.m. right now and I'm trying to squeeze this episode in and record it before getting ready to go to work to so the 9 to 5. And I don't know why I'm sharing that. I guess I just wanted to put that out there. Maybe my voice is probably like raspier than usual and shit. And all right, let's get to it. In this episode I speak about UFC 200. The O.J. Simpson documentary, O.J. Made in America. Getting to see the Book of Mormon on Broadway. And a Back to the Future documentary that I saw on Netflix. And also the new Stephen Pressfield book that I'm reading, which is called Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit. All right, so with uh, UFC 200, let's start there. First off, it was a sick weekend of fights. that uh, was the first time I believe ever that the UFC put on not just like uh the most stacked uh night of cards ever with UFC 200, but they also had fights on Friday night as well as Thursday night. So it's 3 days in a row. Um Thursday night was the uh Fight Pass uh uh Fight Pass fights for those of you that don't know UFC has something called Fight Pass uh which i never uh, i love watching you've seen stuff like that I love the fights but i'm not so much so that i want to subscribe to their service which is called fight pass which i believe is like 10 bucks a month but you can stream all all like every fight ever you know like HBO go type shit like you can just look up any fight ever and stream it on there you can watch it on your phone on your ipad and the whole nine and there's certain fights that are only exclusive to Fight Pass. Like, they only put it on Fight Pass. They don't put it on the preliminary fights on Fox Sports 1 or on Fox. And they don't put it in the pay-per-view. Uh, so, this time, they actually had a, a championship fight, which was, I think it was the first time, on Fight Pass on uh, Thursday with its own, like, little fight card. And I didn't see them, but I saw the highlights afterwards. And Eddie Alvarez fucked up Dos Anjos, the champion. And won. And Eddie Alvarez is a fighter that came from Bellator, and he was the champion in that weight division in Bellator. And historically, the UFC's champions have always, you know, been the quote real champions uh, versus like any other uh, smaller leagues that aren't as popular, like Bellator, which is probably the, the closest to it, but it's still, you know, like a candle in the sun versus the UFC. Um, but Alvarez was a champion in that league, came to the UFC. Um, was on a a pretty good tear and, uh, earned himself a championship shot and really demolished, uh, Dos It was a, a sick TKO, I believe first round, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, Dos was just, just got wrecked. He, he got wrecked, he got TKO'd and it was like, with a lot of time left, um, I think like t- towards the end of uh, of like all the shots, there were still like 90 seconds left to the round or or a minute left to the round when Herb Dean finally stopped it. But it was going on for like a minute and a half or something like that of of Alvarez uh, just fucking him up. Uh, he wobbled him. He uh, Dosanios backed up, landed on the on the fence. Dosanios uh, came flying with like a flying knee which knocked them both down to the ground. Like he fell backwards and, and the just fell on top of him. Um, but Alvarez was able to like throw him off like easily. Cause he was just like all wobbled and fucked up. And, um, uh, the tried to clinch a couple times, but Alvarez just kept on with body shots and the whole nine. And, um, uh, eventually Herb Dean stopped in and it was a, a sick TKO and congrats to Alvarez. Then the next night, I saw a few of the fights. I don't remember all of them though. I guess well, obviously they weren't that memorable if I don't remember them, right? Um or it could just be that it's fucking early. And I do remember the uh uh Joanna John Jacek fight and it was the tough uh finale, which I haven't been watching the tough seasons, uh, but I do know that there were there was like a lot of animosity between the two coaches this year. One of them was Joanna John Jacek, uh that like Polish girl was a champion and i forget the other girl's name but the other girl brought it and um it it looked it, it was a very close fight that you know uh joanna john Jacek check um excuse me sip of my coffee um joanna won and uh it was just close um but you know you gotta When you go up against a champion, you can't be close. You got to, like, win decisively if you want to win. But if it did go the other way, uh, it wouldn't have been surprising. Um, uh, Because the other girl, like, uh, took Joanna down a a bunch of times. Uh, And that's what I remember about that night. Because it was also my uh, surprise bachelor party night. uh, Which was sick in and of itself. But maybe that explains why I don't remember all the fights. Then UFC 200, which, again, was a sick uh, fight card in and of itself. Each and every one of the fights. Um, let me see. I'm looking at the fight card now just to make sure. I missed all the preliminary fights. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, not the prelims, the the UFC fight pass fights. There were three on there, one of which I really wanted to see, which was uh, Sanchez and Lozon. And Sanchez apparently won. Oh, no. Lozon won. My bad. Lozon in the first round knocked out a TKO against Diego Sanchez. That sucks. Um, Well, good for Lozon, I guess. But that's the fight I wanted to see there, but I didn't. And from the prelims, I missed the Sage Northcutt fight. Sage Northcutt won by decision. Uh, but I saw everything else. I started with the TJ Dillashaw and Rafael Asensao fight. <clears throat> now, each and every one of these fights could have been headlining fights in and of themselves. Not necessarily pay-per-view headliners. But they could have been like UFC like um uh on Fox headliners. A few of them and some of them definitely could have been uh uh pay-per-view headliners in and of themselves like Aldo Edgar, uh, Cormier Silver, Lesnar Tate, um Lesnar Tate, <laughs> Lesnar Hunt. Uh, Tate Nunes probably well Obviously they headlined this one uh, Velasquez Brown also And uh, It was a It was a sick fight card But none of the fights were really To be honest were, were It's like every fight was a really good fight Or a good fight Um, I don't know but I wasn't like Blown away like fight after fight after fight Um, Everything I don't know I don't know why because um, they were good fights and there were surprises and stuff like that as you normally see in the ufc um but yeah i started with the the dillashaw fight went three rounds um dillashaw won the hendrix fight uh hendrix i don't know to me i i haven't liked him for a while t- uh, to be honest no disrespect i guess or i don't know but I don't know... Something about him... That I just don't like... And I feel like he's like... Washed up and he's done... And he's not... Like coming back... Which is... I mean... He's like ranked like the number six... In the world in his division so... Um... What the fuck do I know? But Kevin Gastelum looked great against him... Just completely... like outshined him... In that fight in my opinion... And he won by decision... A unanimous decision... Kat Zingano and Pena... Was a good fight... Kat took her down a bunch of times... I remember had some nice takedowns and uh but eventually Juliana Pena just just um, like handled her like the rest of the fight. And she was super active. She was um I remember when while she was on the ground in the guard uh Juliana Peña st- uh which I hadn't seen before and I, I've always wondered but you know I don't fight or anything like that so I wouldn't know. But why people aren't more active in the guard. And, uh, Juliana Pena really was, like, she was, do- she was doing, like, a shitload of, like, palm strikes and, like, punching up and stuff like that while she was on the ground and Kat was on top of her. Um, and also controlling Kat's posture and was able to get up a bunch of times and, and, uh, she, she was, like, the most active that I've seen of a fighter being on the ground on her back. And that was pretty dope to see. Uh, Velasquez Brown. Velasquez looked great. He looks like the Velasquez of old Kane Velasquez he's back so the heavyweight division has to look out for that Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar was one of the most surprising ones I was going for Frankie Edgar I figured Aldo after his lost 13 second loss to McGregor uh, was going to be done his chin was not going to be the same but he looked better than he ever has and McGregor has uh his work cut out for him if he ever does uh if they ever do fight again and rematch Cormier Silva that was a gimme. Um, Silva took... Anderson Silva is not the Anderson Silver of old, obviously. And he took the fight on, like, 48 hours' notice. Uh, Cormier still couldn't finish him, though, which was odd. Um, unless he, like, held back or some shit, but I doubt it. And and towards the end, actually, it, it's, it looked like Anderson Silva, like, caught him and uh, stunned him a little bit. But Cormier did win a unanimous decision. It's sad that uh, we didn't get to see the John Jones fight and probably never will. John Jones tested positive for uh, uh, he failed the USADA uh, drug uh, testing thing, which uh, I haven't really looked into since. Some people say it was PD. Some people um, um, say it could have been coke and stuff like that again, uh, which he was in trouble for in the past. And regardless of what it is, unless he's proven innocent, which at this point is is probably unlikely because USADA is like super, super, super stringent with their testing. And if they announce something, it's because they're like almost positive. Uh, Jones has the ability to whenever they test uh, fighters, they take a sample of their piss, uh, but they have two samples, an A sample and a B sample. They pretty much lock down the B sample and don't touch it. And they only test the A sample. And in a case like this, uh, that a fighter tests positive, then they give the fighter the chance to test the B sample and they could be present and watch the testing and like stuff like that, uh, just to make sure that there was no tampering or anything. And it sucks, man. Jones had a few press conferences and he was like crying and God has a plan for me and stuff like that. And he never. I don't know, as far as I know, he didn't, like, admit guilt, um, which is kind of sociopathic, but (laughs) um, at the same time, he never, I don't know, um, seemed, like, apologetic, but didn't really apologize, and, like, but didn't say, you know, this is all fucked up, you know, I know I didn't take anything that I knew of, and blah, 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 because there's an issue with um, certain supplements that all these fighters take that have, like, trace elements in them, of like a steroid or something like that because the company that makes the actual supplement which could be you know like a over-the-counter type creatine type shit um isn't stringent with their their process of making uh for example the powder so they'll uh, make different powders and in the same machine or something like that and and bottle them up and and sometimes there's trace elements of other shit um it's kind of similar to i guess how you know you might buy I don't know, chocolate or something from Nestle. And it it says, you know, could contain nuts or particles or some shit. Because, you know, they use the same factory to make their peanuts or something. Like that type of thing. Um, But yeah, it's still sad. It's still fucked up. And and it sucks we didn't get to see that fight. Lesnar Hunt. I felt that Hunt was going to catch him and knock him out. That was not the case. Lesnar is just a fucking beast super athletic and he but i also said you know like everybody said if it stayed standing hunt would have knocked him out and if it went to the ground lesnar would just out wrestle him and that's exactly what happened uh with the added anecdote of lesnar just having him like in a headlock in the ground and like pummeling his face um which is crazy to see mark hunt like manhandled like that by brock lesnar which hasn't fought in five years and uh, for those of you that don't know, he's like a WWE star and one of the, I think the only one that has ever crossed over successfully into the UFC. And he was once like a heavyweight champion and at one point, actually, when he came in, like on his second or third fight, they gave him the championship fight just because his like name recognition. And then, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty good fight as well. And then Tate Nunes, which was the main event. I was rooting for Tate, um, didn't really have much of a dog in this fight, but I was rooting for Tate, and, cause, I don't know, she's like, like a, a good champion, I think, like, a good, like, spokesperson, and good, um, good, like, positive champion, you know what I mean, um, she's active, she's out there, she's in the media, like, type of thing, she's a good mouthpiece for the women's division, you know, like, super well-spoken, and and she was a good champion i guess and the way that she beat holly home like spectacular last minute fashion it's like she deserved to to i was rooting for her i don't know i was rooting for her to win again uh but amanda nunes she uh super super tough and scrappy and and you could just see the determination in her eyes and she earned the fuck out of that victory and it was uh a first round submission that she won by a rear naked choke, just like Misha beat Holly Holm um, for the title. And uh, congrats to her. So that's pretty dope. And a sick takeaway from that is just how this shows, like how dominant Ronda Rousey was in the division, because with her leaving it like left a vacuum in, in the division and the belt's already been in three hands, Holly Holmes, Misha Tate to now, Amanda Nunes, meanwhile, when Ronda had it, she, like, had it for a couple years, I think defended it, uh, eight, nine, ten times, or some shit like that, and was, it was just, like, unstoppable, so, that's pretty sick, and what else, as far as the UFC, mm, the UFC recently sold, for those of you that don't know, uh, Zufa, which is, uh, owned by the, uh, Fertitta Brothers, that was my alarm, um, by the, uh, Fertitta Brothers, a, they bought the UFC, uh, because Dana White, which is the president of the UFC, which is friends with Lorenzo Fertitta, or uh, both of them, I guess, but, um, like, good friends with, uh, Lorenzo, and, uh, approached, uh, the Fertitta brothers told me that they should buy this league this UFC up and coming like thing or whatever and UFC uh, Zufa agreed Zufa owns um, like station casinos um they're like you know billion dollar dudes or whatever and um UFC as you guys know is one of the like the fastest growing sports ever and they just sold uh, Azufa Zufa just sold for four billion dollars they bought it for two million in 2001 and they sold it for 4 billion it's a sick return on investment um i think i didn't work it out but i read somewhere like something thousand four thousand percent return like some sick shit but like two million to four billion that's fucking nuts uh congrats to them i just hope that um it was like a group of companies that purchased it and i just hope they don't fuck it up they did keep Dana White on as president um uh hopefully with that that idea in mind not to like shake things up too much or change things too much and uh you know Dana Dana White is the the face of the organization if you will in terms of being the president and you know he's the outspoken like Mark Cuban type owner and he also had a percentage of ownership that uh uh, for Teeter Brothers gave him, I guess, for, for, um, uh, bringing this purchase to them, so, uh, you know, it's a sick payday for him as well, uh, congrats to him, and I don't know, I just hope it doesn't change too much, and also Rogan, which I think has been, like, teetering on, you know, continuing to, to do, uh, commentary, um, I know, am pretty sure he did say that if, if, um, If they did sell, that he probably wouldn't be part of it anymore. Maybe now with Dana White staying on, uh, he will be. uh, But hopefully he stays as well. Uh, He's one of like the most. I'm I'm biased or whatever because you guys know what a big Rogan fan I am. But he's one of the the uh, best commentators uh, in the sport, and that's that's not just according to me. It's according to. many fight fans and, and blogs and news outlets and stuff like that. So I uh, hope that stuff stays in place. Next, I want to speak about OJ made in America, the documentary, which uh, for those of you that don't know, is a documentary that is uh 30 for 30 uh, ESPN documentary. And it's a five part series. Each series is about an hour and a half long and it's sick. Like they, recap um not only the the whole uh Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman murders, um which for those of you that don't know, O. J. Simpson one hundred percent killed two people. Um allegedly in my opinion. The they recap it's just like the story of O. J. Simpson of who he was, which I never really had a a deep understanding for like I I, like knew of him being a big uh, football star and dabbling in acting and stuff like that being this like famous rich guy when everything happened but I mean this the murders happened back in the early 90s 94 June 12th 1994 I was like 10 years old um when that happened um but you know since you know everybody knows like the oj story or whatever but i never knew how much of a star he actually was because he he was like this huge star like during the 70s or something like that and this documentary does a really good job of going into that and building up exactly who he was not just uh uh speaking about the aftermath of the murder or anything like that it takes you from like literally beginning to end and it sick how and they an awesome thing that they do is that they they put you they uh, set the setting perfectly because of all the racial tension that was going on and the Rodney King beating which I had never seen I seen like clips of it and I knew of it I knew like abstractly of uh. A black dude that supposedly was on drugs and speeding on a high-speed chase with cops and um, then got fucked up violently by the cops afterwards right but I never and I've seen like little clips here and there but I've never like seen it seen it and in this documentary like they show the whole thing they show parts of that trial the Rodney King trials and what eventually turned into the five officers, which excessively one hundred percent, no matter what the fuck he was saying or happened before if it was a high speed chase and he quote unquote could have killed people, but he didn't and and I know like adrenaline must be like running high with the cops and stuff like that after chasing him so much, but after he's on the ground after you know you, you got a couple punches in whatever like He's subdued. He's on the ground. They just kept hitting him with the nightsticks, like kicking him in the back of the head, stomping him. It's like that 1,000% uncalled for. I don't care what you're going through emotionally. That can't happen. Um, Especially with five fucking dudes there. Like, come on, on one guy? That was just insane to me. Um, But that pretty much... Each of them got uh, acquitted, I think is the right word. They got away with it, basically, the cops. And that translated into the Watts riots in California. And the documentary goes into all of this and um, while building up OJ at the same time. So it sets the setting for you, like the peak of racial tensions um, in this country, especially within the microcosm of California. And OJ Simpson is playing football in California and is this huge college star and he's African American, but completely accepted, Um, except for himself. He seemed to never really accept the fact that he was black. He always said things like, I'm not, I'm not black. I'm OJ. And he chilled with uh, predominantly white people and successful, quote unquote, white people. And they wanted to surround himself with. And he was like this huge, like manipulating person that would want to get his way at least is what i got would always want to get his way and do whatever he had to do to get his way and manipulate his way through situations and shit and i really enjoyed like getting that granular and that deep into into this entire situation and then of course they speak about the uh the murders it took place very gory, very detailed. They show you the pictures of the bodies and and how um, Nicole Brown was almost like decapitated from how much he he like stabbed her and like, like punched her head off almost and, and like, like sawed into her neck. It was fucking gross and gruesome. And he was just an evil, evil son of a bitch. Um, Ron Goldman was like, really like stabbed up as well and he was like a serial like wife beater which is fucking disgusting in, in and of itself and was able to charm his way out of uh being arrested for that um even though she had called the cops like a bunch of times but then she she is complicit in the fact that she also always went back to him or also said that she didn't want to press charges until eventually like uh, came to her senses and stopped taking that bullshit, and, and it's just a sad fucking story, man. Super sad story. They like he when the murders happened, they, his kids were upstairs sleeping, you know what I mean, and which was just so fucking terrible. Um, but it's a sick documentary, and uh, it goes through like the full trial um the aftermath of how he did wind up in jail eventually which everybody feels was oh and like the tie-in like the whole ronnie king thing because it was um kind of like a consensus consensus feeling and also a uh, some of the jurors even flat out said yeah we voted not guilty as as um like retaliation for the whole ronnie king thing and not just ronnie king but many cases um like they outlined before then the ronnie king thing was just like the boiling point the peak of the situation but there was like a, a murder of like a 15 year old girl by a uh asian woman like store clerk lady that just like shot her in the head and it was like on video and everything and and um she got away with it and just like other cases that they brought up and it was like always like black people which not much has changed um usually get the short end of the stick in situations like this and uh, we're seeing it now even with uh quick tangent there was like a case recently in missouri i want to say uh, well there was one not far from me here in brooklyn in east new york a cop all 30 cop, shot uh a dude on atlantic avenue and killed him unarmed um you guys know the slew of of, of cases recently. But there was one that recently, and I'll link to this in the episode notes, but recently uh, this woman and her boyfriend, which was in the passenger seat, get pulled over for a broken taillight. She streamed the entire video on Facebook. It has since gone viral. And there's this police officer which uh, shot the passenger, shot the the guy while he was in the car. And uh, according to her video, according to what she said, because it picks up after the fact, the uh, the man was saying that he has a registered gun. He was telling the officer that um, they wanted to tell before, you know, getting his license and all that shit in case he sees the gun. And uh, told him in advance, allegedly, and uh, the cop shot him and shot him five times while he was sitting in a car. Which to me, I don't know if it's nerves, I don't know how to explain it. Like I can't imagine the amount of like stress and, and, and shit that police officers go through. And obviously the majority of them are not like this, but too many of them are. So something has to change, I think. But they, you know, from their point of view, they're dealing with people that are trying to lie to them and cheat and steal and, you know, criminals day in and day out, right? So they have to be on edge. I would imagine and it must be stressful as fuck but five shots I don't know if it's like a nervous tick reaction type of thing but it seems fucking excessive for somebody that doesn't have a gun didn't show aggression um, by all accounts that that we can see Um, and it's the part that fucked me up more about the situation is that she's there she's streaming the entire thing he's like he literally died on video like you see him like hunched over his eyes rolling back in the back of his head the cop stays with his gun like pointing at him like he's not moving he's like he doesn't have the gun in his hand or on his hip or you know what i mean it's like in the car like in the glove box or something like that which is still closed like there's a 40-year-old little kid in the backseat witnessing the entire thing that's the part that fucked me up most and it's like put your fucking gun away you piece of shit and you know he was there he stayed with his gun like the entire time until backup came and then they took the lady out the car and and called the ambulance finally and and the guy died the guy wound up dying yeah fucking sad i'll link I'll link to the to it in the episode notes so you guys could check that out but yeah um so yeah they go through in the documentary like all that stuff and then show how um O.J. is in jail now. Um, for the shit that he's in jail for, like, uh, which was retaliation, um, most likely for him getting away with murder. Basically, um, I don't know how long he's serving, but um, for like armed robbery and like stuff like that, because he tried to meet up with some people that supposedly had some of his memorabilia from when they pretty much foreclosed on his house and took all his shit and yeah he's in jail now or whatever so i don't know it goes through like all that so definitely i recommend they watch the documentary again it's on espn uh 30 for 30 i saw it like on demand or whatever you can look up the you know like sports channel on demand or whatever And next, the Book of Mormon was fucking hilarious. Shout out to my brother David that had the idea of us uh, going to check it out. Uh, I've been wanting to see it for a while, but the tickets are too rich for my blood. So, if you're in that same situation and do want to see either this uh, Broadway play or or another, that is also too expensive, consider this, which isn't the optimal way to watch it. Um, But... You definitely, it's definitely a great, you know, it's better than not watching it, basically. Um, we had orchestra seats, but they're the the quote-unquote obstructed view. Because literally the last seat, uh, like first, first and second row, because we had to sit instead of next to each other, like one behind the other. But it's like such a tight, small theater. And if you guys know, like those seats are so close together that, you know, you could like tap the person without even extending your full arm in front of you. So you have to sit front to back, and uh, or one in front of the other, and it's the first and second row, and it's all the last seat all the way on the right or the last seat all the way on the left, and we it's considered the obstructive view because you technically you can't see like on the right side of the theater, like not the entire right side of the theater, but you know like the um, if somebody stands like by the curtains or something like that like, a little further back, you can't really see that unless you, like, lean over, but there's not much going on there anyway, Um, and something that threw it off a little bit that takes away from, I guess, like, the, quote, magic of it is the fact that you could see, like, on the left side of the theater, like, you could see, like, behind the curtain, you know, like, them, like, moving things around and preparing, like, the next scene and stuff like that um, when they don't do a good enough job of, like, covering it, so that type of stuff kind of takes away from it, but you get to see a fucking what would otherwise be like a 200 250 seat ticket for a fraction of the price um i think it was like 70 bucks and it was definitely worth it in this case because it was a dope play that again i've been wanting to see for a long time but i wasn't gonna pay fucking that much money uh, to go see it and it was fucking hilarious uh, matt stone and trey parker uh, which were the creators of South Park, uh, created this Broadway play, along with uh, Robert Lopez, which was the creator of uh, co-creator of Avenue Q. Uh, if those of you that have seen that, it's an off-Broadway, or that haven't seen it, it's an off-Broadway play, uh, which is dope, a uh, lot more inexpensive, um, and I definitely recommend that one. That one's super funny as well. And um it it was a, a sick funny play um picture like south park but like that like level of like absurdity but that gets you thinking and like yeah that's true you know like like you get when you watch again like south park or like team america and and it's just, like, the like the best social commentary of our our time in terms of, like, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, like, what those guys normally, like, put together. And this uh, Broadway play is an extension of that and was super funny. Uh, one of my favorite songs of it was close to the beginning. It was called Asa, Digo, Asa Diga Iboi. And the... You know, it's called the Book of Mormon. Obviously, it's about Mormons and they go door to door trying to recruit people. And something that Mormons, <clears throat> Mormons do, um, which I learned more about actually in a recent pod, uh, Tim Ferriss podcast that I featured as the podcast of the week in the uh, Midday Monday Boots by the way, that you guys can sign up for and to get a email once a week. Which includes a podcast of the week along with four other things at com forward slash subscribe. They, Tim Ferriss interviews a gentleman, uh, Shay Carl, who has like 2.3 billion Twitter followers, uh, YouTube followers, and um, he grew up and is a Mormon. Um, he was like, they spoke a, a bit about that, and something that Mormons do is that they take a two year Um, after high school I think before college or after college I don't remember which but I think after high school they take a two year uh, mission Um, they get assigned to somewhere in the world and they have to go and try to convert people into Mormonism and uh, in the play like the the protagonist wants to really wants to he's been praying to go to Orlando it's a favorite place in the world and they send him uh, somewhere in Africa. In the middle of a tribe somewhere. And then he gets there. And. It's not like South Africa or anything like that. It's it's like. Poor village. Warlord Africa. And they w- start singing a song. When they get there and stuff like that. And it's called. Asa and they're singing it in. In. Um. You know, it's not English, Asadiga Ibuwai. And but they're singing thing you know, things similar to like a kunamatara, the Lion king type of thing, and they ask, Oh, does that mean like it means no words? Like after the song and after they're like singing along with it and stuff like that, and they're like, you know, when when you find out that you have AIDS, Asadiga Ibuwai. When you find out the warlord killed your family, Asadiga Ibuwai and like stuff like that. And then they're like, What does that mean? Does that mean, you know, like a kunamatara type of shit? And the guy is like, no, that means fuck God or fuck you, God. And then they're like, oh, my. it was just fucking hilarious. And um, um, it was dope. I definitely recommend this. So check it out if you guys can. I believe there is a lottery for it as well. If you guys want to sign up for that. For those of you that don't know, um, which I do every day, but haven't won yet, obviously, is I want to see the Hamilton play. And um, I sign up like every day for the, they have like an online lottery. If you just Google Hamilton uh, lottery or uh, Book of Mormon lottery, I'm guessing other shows do it too. I didn't know that, but I think there is one for Book of Mormon. You can literally just put your email in and sign up for a lottery every day. And I guess they, they give away uh, a couple tickets a day or something like that for like 10 bucks each instead of like the normal price. Alrighty, I saw recently a Back to the Future documentary on Netflix, which was pretty dope. My uh, fiancé, soon-to-be wife, by the way, which I'm marrying in a couple weeks. Wish me luck, guys. Uh, looking forward to that as well. Um, she found it on Netflix. I don't remember the name, but I'm sure if you uh, just search Back to the Future or something, it, it should pop up. Uh, but it was a really cool documentary um, that I've seen clips of, actually, on YouTube like fascinating things like uh before um michael j fox there was a different actor which you guys would know like from the 80s i forget his name though like 80s or 90s actor um uh, you know once you guys see his face you like you'd be like oh that guy they filmed uh probably a quarter of the film with him but it wasn't working because he was more like it was a serious actor so the comedic sensibilities of it that michael j fox brought to it um wasn't translating the way that uh um, the writers wanted it to, um, Robert Zemeckis, um, Robert Gale, and which were the writers and Robert Zemeckis is the director and Steven Spielberg produced it. And, uh, it's one of, it's my favorite eighties movie by far, my favorite trilogy by far. And one of the best movies ever. And it's actually like the actual screenplay of it is like studied in film schools and stuff like that. It's being like a, a perfectly written story like every every and they say this in a documentary which is a dope quote every loose every i don't remember the exact quote but it's pretty much like every loose end that is put out there you know by the writers is tied up by the end of the movie every single one every every single strand is tied down by the end of the movie which is cool um and it's uh it was a dope documentary uh, that I really enjoyed so yeah they filmed like a quarter of the movie with that guy uh, whose name I don't remember and Michael J. Fox was the first choice but he was unavailable because he was filming Family Ties which is a tv show back in the day and they um, uh, pretty much they made the call to to you know, once they saw that it wasn't working, they were like, "Yo, we gotta get Michael J. Fox, and we gotta scrap, scrap things with this guy." And it was after like a month, like six weeks, I think, of filming already. So it was like a sad thing uh, for some of the cast and people that you know got along with him. But supposedly, he was like kind of like a dick too. Like if he had to like push somebody, he would like really push them hard and stuff like that, and and whatever. He was like too serious, basically, for the role, all around, and. Uh, Michael J. Fox started uh, filming, and they had to redo a bunch of shots, um, and he was filming still Family Ties during the day, and he was film- filming Back to the Future at night, and um, they say, or they said in the documentary that a lot of a lot of scenes as well, like they filmed that they had to do over again, they filmed it just with um, Michael J. Fox, and the actual reaction shots Of like, you know, the other people in the scene were of the people reacting to the other actor that was, you know, that filmed it, filmed the first six weeks as Marty McFly. So that was pretty cool. And I recommend it. I don't remember the name of it, but just search Back to the Future documentary on Netflix and I'm sure you guys will find it. Now the last thing that I wanted to speak about was Stephen, or is Stephen Pressfield's new book, which I will link to in the episode notes. It is actually he put it out uh, through his website. Uh, you can go on there and you can download it one hundred percent for free, uh, which is dope. Like you guys know, Stephen Pressfield is one of my favorite writers, and the War of Art, which is the first book that I read of his, was the book that that pretty much got me into taking writing seriously. Um and uh actually pursuing it in in some like practical way you know what I mean not just oh I wish i could i could write one there um and since then I've read a couple of his books um he actually not his um cause he, he writes fiction and non fiction as well I've only read his non fiction not his actual fiction, which I probably should check out right if he's such a a good uh, motivating writer. Because um, I pretty much do the same shit. Try to write non-fiction and fiction. Um, his new book is called. Nobody wants to read your shit. Why that is. And. What you can do about it. And what I, I've always liked about. His writing or found refreshing about it. Is that he's not really into. Like woo woo. Bullshit stuff. He's like super practical. And Super. Just practical. I, I appreciate that aspect um, of him. <clears throat> and obviously, he has a way w- with words. That resonates with me and obviously millions of other people that that are also into him as well. And there was something... I'm still reading it. Um just recently started it, actually. And I am probably... Not even a quarter through it, but there is an excerpt that I wanted to read with you guys that re- really resonated with me. So I just wanted to share it real quick and we'll end the show off with that. And it's about Breaking Bad. And I, I, love, I love the way he like breaks down shit and the metaphors he uses and stuff like that. And he makes it very uh, relatable and digestible, understandable. Um, Alright, so he says, do you remember the pilot for Breaking Bad? In that first hour, airing on January 20th, 2008, Walter White gets hit with a lot of stuff. He's diagnosed with inoperable cancer. To provide for his family, after his death, he decides to start cooking methamphetamine. He teams up with a former student, sells his first batch, and along the way, kills two competing criminals. Wow. How did Vince Gilligan, which, by the way, is the writer of uh, Breaking Bad, for those of you that don't know, Back to the text. How did Vince Gilligan, the show's creator, make all this stuff cohere? And how did he keep it together for six superb seasons? The answer is in one scene in the pilot. The scene takes place in Walter White's high school chemistry class. He asks the kids, what is chemistry about? Several students offer lame answers. Then our hero, played brilliantly by Brian Cranston, answers the question himself. Walter White. Uh, this is what he says in the in the episode, answering the question of uh, what change is about. Change. Chemistry is the study of change. Elements combine and change into compounds. That's all of life, right? Solution, dissolution, growth, decay, transformation. It's fascinating, really. That speech is not there by accident. It is Vince Gilligan's statement of the theme. Problem? What is this show about? Solution? Transformation. From this point in the series, from the pilot to the final season, every episode and every scene will be about transformation. When the writers become lost and feel their control over their material slipping away, they will return to this touchstone. Make this moment be about transformation. And no one, of course, will transform more than our protagonist, mild-mannered Walter White. i just wanted to share that with you fucks i thought it was dope it resonated with me i uh love breaking bad it's probably my top two uh best shows ever and number one uh, would be the wire and um if you flip-flop those two definitely understandable if one of those two are not on your top list then go fuck yourself and if both of them aren't on it then you're not on this planet like I said, this episode is... I'm recording it in the morning. And I have to bounce and go get ready for work, my 9 to 5. And I'll probably record the intro later on after this when I get back home tonight. And um last thing, like I mentioned before. This is the last episode that I will be recording as a single, well, unmarried man. <laughs> and... um The next one that you guys hear will be after I get married, um, next week and, um, something I'm looking forward to. I love my fiance, which listens to this sometimes when she feels guilty and I guilt her into listening to it. So I love you, babe. Looking forward to the wedding and, uh, we'll share our experience of that, uh, with you guys at a future date. I'll check you guys out. I gotta go take a shower and get ready and bounce and go to my nine to five. I'll record the outro after this. Peace. And I'm back, bitches. It is now midnight on Wednesday, July 13th, 2016. And, uh, through the power of pausing, we have transcended time. It's a long fucking day. Um... So, just some outro house cleaning stuff, housekeeping, and uh, to put you in the know with different ways that you can help support the Spun Today podcast if you so choose. Uh, one way is by filling out the questionnaire. It's a five question questionnaire, which is located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And it's geared towards uh, creative types, people that are into writing or drawing or singing or rapping or whatever it is that you're into. Knitting, whatever it is And uh, The questions are Pretty much geared towards Well, what I do with it is You answer it and I read your responses On a future episode Of the podcast You could choose to Remain anonymous and if you don't I'll give you a shout out on the podcast And pretty much The five questions are geared towards um, You know, people hearing Your responses to them and and being able to draw inspiration from them or tips and tricks and, you know, what makes you do what it is that you love to do. And um, if you could share that type of motivation and inspiration with answering five open-ended questions, why not give it a shot, right? Uh, the, another way that you can help support the podcast is to check out my... Photography, which is located at sponsor.com forward slash photography. I like taking pictures of shit. As I've told you guys in the past, you can see all the photographs that make the cut at sponse.com forward slash photography, and you can download any of those uh, digital copies absolutely free. And if you would happen to want like a poster or frame or a canvas of any of that uh, photography, you can purchase them at created c-r-a-t-e-d.com forward slash spun today and check that out as well and there's a bunch of different like artists and and other photographers on created as well so i'm sure you'll find shit that you, you like and that you're into uh shop th- using my affiliate links um if you guys listen to podcasts you know every podcast has their their versions of this and you can check out mine at sponsor.com forward slash affiliate links and pretty much what it is is if you shop on itunes or amazon uh, which is the big one go to my website first sponsor.com and click on the amazon banner and then it's just going to shoot you over to the amazon website and it does not cost you any extra but you do your shopping like you normally do and just for using my portal through my website Amazon.com hooks up the Spun Today podcast just for driving traffic towards their website and that would be highly appreciated a uh, huge way the one of the biggest ways that you can help support the podcast is by rating and reviewing it on iTunes Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts uh, it's available on Pocket Casts uh, Google Play and reading a podcast is something you should do not just for mine but any podcast that that you like that you listen to i mean you get endless hours and hours and hours of hundreds of hours thousands of hours probably if you're really into podcasts of free entertainment and um you know doing things like shopping on the amazon on different amazon banners uh spreading the love amongst different podcasts that you listen to it's a a good thing to do it helps support um definitely uh, reviewing on on iTunes and stuff like that helps uh, your favorite podcast gain exposure and move up in the ranks and stuff like that. And if you would like to do that for this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated as well. You can, uh, you know, it's right on your phone, by the way. Like, just open up the podcast app uh, that you're listening to it on and look for the rate this podcast button. And, you know, you can just add, tap it, and that's it, you're done. You can add a comment if you want to. You don't have to. And uh, it definitely helps a lot. Another way to help support uh, me and the podcast is check out my book. I wrote a book, as most of you uh, know, unless it's your first time listening. And the book is called Make Way for You. And uh, subtitled Tips for Getting Out of Your Own Way. Uh, you can check out check out the landing page for the book at com forward slash books. There you'll see a video of me explaining um, where I got the idea for the book and what it's about. And there's also a synopsis of the book on that page, as well as a few audio excerpts uh, that I did, uh, like audiobooks, uh, which were, you know, like little audiobook clips, which is kind of cool and was fun to do, actually. And the book is available on your Kindle device through Amazon. Um, through Amazon, you can also purchase a paperback. Uh, the ebook is also available through iBooks, through Kobo, and wherever uh, you prefer to purchase your ebooks at. Definitely hit me up. Let me know what you think about it. Hopefully, it helps inspire you and motivate you to get out of your own way, as it did for me. And Uh, If you would uh, rate it as well, on either on Amazon and or on Goodreads, that would be greatly appreciated as well, or on iBooks or wherever it is that you purchase it from. Let me know what you think. And also on that same landing page, uh, again, sponsored.com forward slash books, if you drop your email address. Uh, Down at the bottom You won't have to pay a dime But you will receive a free PDF copy Of the full book By doing so Uh, You can follow me on Twitter On Instagram At Spun Today Check out the Facebook fan page At facebook.com Forward slash spun Today And the Facebook page has A bunch of the pictures that are uh, On the website and on Instagram as well Um, But it also has additional photos um, Not, you know, like, quote-unquote photography photos Necessarily, but, you know, like, phone pictures and, like, shit like that Last thing I want to plug here, folks, before letting you go Is the Midday Monday Boost Letter That is my weekly, once-a-week newsletter that I send out Uh, It's absolutely free And it's a newsletter that includes Five things that resonated with me for that past week and the five things are a photograph of the week, a podcast of the week, which this week is, features The Tim Ferriss Show, episode number 170 with Shay Carl, which was a really dope episode. Check that out. It was about a guy, Shay Carl, who grew up as a Mormon, and they get into that, he still is a Mormon, and... He pretty much had an inclination to one day upload like a VHS video that he had um, onto YouTube and when YouTube was in its infancy. And now has uh, multiple channels with a about 2.3 billion followers. And uh, it's pretty dope to listen to his story and to hear his take on like Mormonism and religion and like stuff like that was pretty cool. So check that out. Uh, What else? The Midday Monday Boost Letter also has a video of the week, a quote of the week, and a word of the week. And you get it every Monday, midday, at noon. And it's just a a little boost uh, to start your week off right. That's pretty much it, folks. That's the episode. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.